Welcome to Pods and Pies. We got some Domino's. Domino's. Yeah, we. Um, one of these days we'll get a sponsor. Domino's probably won't be it. But this was like, it was kind of a last second. We Keep we, we like some other in. options, but yeah. I did three pizzas because I know you were hungry. Yes, starving. Keep banging that drum; yeah. it'll happen, man. I know. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> So we got Scott Rafferty on. Thank you for coming and joining yes, us. Scott, thanks, of course. Um, to be here. And you, we got you Aubergine. Yeah. Let's talk about why. <laughs> what, did, what was that? What did you I say? I said, let's talk about why. Why I got him Aubergine. Oh, yeah. And yes. not pizza. What, you call it what? What is it, that called? That place is, the oh, restaurant the place. is called yeah, Aubergine. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, it looked like a salad. Yes. But yeah, that's, okay. that's the place of it, the name. Um, but tell us why you're not indulging in pizza Yes, <laughs> because I think I know because I think it's Especially, cool. I think because anybody that's coming on here that was uh, if they've been on a diet, nobody's ever said anything to me. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, we'll eat even if they do or don't, you know. Yeah. But you said no. I've got some stuff going on. Yeah. So, so um, about uh, back in September, I just kind of had this moment where, like, I was I think a lot of, like a lot of people, I just gotten really comfortable working in the basement, and so I'd get in the basement. It's you know usually around seven fifteen, seven a.m. in the morning. I'd work, I'd pop up for like a snack at, you know, maybe 11.30, I'd eat at one, and then I'd go back to the basement, I'd work until six, 6.30. And then by the time, you know, you get done with all the kids' stuff, I was just totally worn out. Oh yeah. And so, um, back in September, I hit this point, and I just, from a health perspective, I wasn't, I was feeling as low as I'd been in a You're long You're talking time. September 2020. Yeah, September okay. 2020. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just kind of said, hey, look, like, I, I've done CrossFit before. I don't, like, you know, I don't feel like my body's ready for that. Um, but I wanted to get back into going to the gym. And so somebody told me about a small pro gym up in Bountiful called Big John's Pro Gym. And they had, uh, you know, some big, big name bodybuilders and physique competitors that are working out of there. And it was just a small place. It's like a, an industrial park in okay. Bountiful. Um, and, uh, so I started working out there and it's become like, you know, I go six days a week and I started working with the trainer and she had me eating 7,000 calories a day for four months. Now, and is that was, because you wanted to kind of just get bulk up a little bit yeah. and just start getting a little stronger? So that yeah. was the whole, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because like, I do have some like, uh, uh goals that I wanted that I want to do uh, from a, just a health perspective over the next year. And, you know, we kind of worked out this plan that said, hey, look, like, you know, even though you want to lose weight, drop pounds, and this, get to this kind of a physique, like, really the best thing to do for you is for you to just, like, recomposition your body from, you know, mostly fat to, uh, to building the, just your muscle structure. And so for four months, we really focused on that, six days a week, lifting heavy weight. It's a pretty, pretty intense workout. Um, program and then a couple weeks ago she transitioned me to a almost zero carb diet so i can start so i can start dropping pounds and so sure enough the, i i'm in a week and a half i'm down seven or eight pounds so that's awesome so what was yeah. the what was the uh what was the what what was the difference between september and then just recently i mean what was your body how did the body change um well just you start going from like your arms and your chest and your shoulders feeling kind of flabby to like actually yeah. feeling did cold. you put on weight uh, no, I started, I'm actually, I haven't lost, well, up until this last two weeks, I've only, my weight's only fluctuated five pounds. Really? That's yeah. awesome. So it was just total recomposition from higher percent body fat to like lean muscle mass. And I've just been increasing lean muscle mass and dropping. But your strength went up. Strength went up a lot. Yeah. yeah. So. Crazy how the body, yeah. right. When it gets everything yeah. that it should get. Right, and you're yeah. eating 7,000 calories a day for of four good, months. Of good 7, but of good, good like, calories. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you're, you fluctuated five pounds. Yeah. That's great. 7,000 calories. Mm -hmm. I just, sorry. I think that's cool. Dude, if I ate 7,000 calories, I would be 700 pounds. <laughs> well, Grant, well, at, I least, at least how I do stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'd never worked with somebody, a professional, which I know for a fact if I did and I, and I committed to it, yeah. I'd probably, it would probably see the same results. But yeah, yeah, so for me, the, like, there are certain things that I'm really, I feel like I'm really intelligent and smart around and I can get my head around. Areas that I've just always had, or struggled with are like, human physiology and nutrition. I, it's just like when people start talking to me about macros and things like that, it's like talking a foreign language to me. So um, I literally would, my, my coach is like, here, you're going to make eight cups of brown rice 
on Sunday night and you're going to make this and then you're putting this amount. And so like, I don't have to think about it. So I just yeah, do all my nice meal thing. prep because <clears throat> when it comes to nutrition, I'm just a complete like, you know, uh, noob when yeah. it comes to that. So, um, it's been an interesting learning process and you start gathering some of the, you know, some of the, the knowledge that like just kind of the old school bodybuilders in the gym. So they're talking and you know, mid mid, you start to understand why like, Mid workout, you're working out for an hour and a half. Mid workout, they'll like go over there. They'll open up a can of tuna and just like eat, <laughs> eat, eat, Dude, eat yeah. a can of tuna uh-huh. right in the middle of, of a workout. I'm like, man, you guys are crazy. But just, <laughs> just the smell of that alone during a workout would just be like, dude, if you smelled, it's like it's like I've seen somebody open up a like a pack. It's like a a package of smoked to, uh, smoked salmon. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. It was almost like a jerky thing, and it was. I mean, the smell was off the charts. It was super strong. Yeah. I mean, I like salmon, but it was pretty strong. Yeah. So it's been it's been a totally different phase for me in, in terms of just, again, like, I'm still I'm in my upper 30s right now. I'm, like, if I don't do it now, it's probably going to be just going to get more difficult to do it. Oh, yeah. And so at this point, I was just like, okay. And then there was something, there was just like this moment. I'm not sure how I, like, when it was or what it was, but in September, that it was like, okay, let's do this. And it's just it was like cold turkey from that point, so... That's, awesome. That's good, man. Not a lot yeah. of people can do that. Yeah, yeah. Like really, I, just all of a sudden it hits them and they decide and then they go cold turkey. Yeah, and when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm either an all in or nothing person. Like, there's no middle ground for me. It's just like you have to be in, or you're like I just, or else I'm gonna go through the motions and actually not accomplish anything. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, good, man. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you are at Jane right now. Mm-hmm. Um, before we talk about them, because you guys have had a lot of cool things going on yeah recently um take us back to like your your first your startup because you said when you started talking you said mm-hmm. a thing that i started back in the day yeah. so kind of take us where you started in your career because i know that being in the people ops space right now this is a brand new yeah this is not my normal yeah this area. isn't your this isn't your yeah thing so yeah let's go back and so and you from here i'm from i'm from bountiful okay. yeah and so you know kind of a little bit back before that, I had, you know, grew up in Bountiful, graduated from the U, just like your, you know, middle of the pack communications degree person, um, just enough to do, to, to graduate. Oh, yeah. um, and I had this idea, I was working at a nonprofit at the time, and I had this idea of like, hey, like, I remember I was talking to an executive in, in my capacity at, at the nonprofit, I was talking to an executive at a company who had worked at, uh, worked for, he was a Harvard MBA, had worked at Bain, right? He talked to me about what management consulting was like. And I had this idea of like, I want to be a management consultant. And so I decided that I want to try to get my, like, I, I was super naive about it. Cause like nobody goes from like a communications grad working at a, at a nonprofit to like an entry level job in, at Bain or McKinsey. I tried, it didn't work, but in my, in, in my quest, I got introduced to a small boutique firm in, in Philadelphia and okay. they were doing like they were kind of one of those firms that would work alongside with the big firms to help do a lot of the change management and implementation process of the actual strategy work that was being done. And so I did that for a couple of years and then I went to school, to grad school up at the U full time um, to get my MBA. And um, at that point I knew I wanted to get into tech and my whole reason going there was just to lower my tuition costs and my cost of living so that I could start something while I was in school. Smart. So, um, like as I'm as I'm finishing school there, uh, I was I was uh, kind of working on some startup stuff, and then um, a friend of mine was like, "Hey, I've got this guy over here who's working on something similar to what you're thinking. You guys should you, sh- you guys should talk." And so uh, he connected me to uh, my you know at the time my co-founder, uh, and we started a company called DemoChimp. In what was it called? Demo Chimp. It's now, Demo Chimp. Yeah, it's now called Consensus. Okay. They were down um, in American Fork. American Fork. Yeah. Yep. And you know, we kind of rode that wave of that. There was kind of this wave of startup, like, um, just explosion. There was this wave of startups that were starting in 2013, 2014, because for the first time, like, there were actual like legitimate capital sources. Like, you know, um, this was when before album became album and they were they were still peak ventures um like we were one of their first like official 
uh, investments as a as a fund, right? Okay. Um, and so it was just that first wave of like actual money coming into the into the state of Utah. And so we rode that wave, um, and then uh, it was it was great. It was a you know B two B SaaS product doing sales and marketing automation technology, and um, and then I left that uh, in 2016. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and then had always been kind of along the product track, working on product side of things and doing some biz dev, but largely product is where I had the most fun. And then the Jane opportunity came and it was just, it was funny because after what had happened, the company that I was at had had a merger that had fallen through and it kind of, it really put the company in a hole. And um so the Jane guys came to me and they were like, hey, what do you think about people ops? I was like, no, bro, I'm good. <laughs> like, I've got this company over here that wants me to be in, go work for them in product and lead product there. I'm good, I, I think I was good at that. But Did you know anybody there at the time? At, at Jane, not really. I knew the, okay. I knew the founder of the company um, and he had just made one introduction to the, co at the time, the co-CEOs. And so I'd really just gotten to know the co-CEOs, Ryan Burton and JD Stice at the time. Um, and. It was a few months before, like, I talked to a bunch of mentors, I talked to some other folks, and I was kind of taking my time to find that next role. And uh, I, I finally, I had, a, I remember having a conversation with a, a good friend of mine who was like a really, really uh, strong product leader and known figure. And he was like, dude, like, just think about how you could take your product mindset into people ops and change the game. He's like, and, and so from that, that was a moment for me that was like, hey, look, like a lot of what we do in people ops is not too dissimilar from what people do in product. Um, well, our end outcomes are the, the, the product that we're trying to produce, which is like a great experience of some sort. Right. You know, in product, it's all about creating that amazing customer experience. In, in um, people ops, it's about creating that incredible user or employee experience. Um, and so... That was kind of the, the the moment where things flipped for me, and I said, "Hey, look, like, let's take a stab at this." And I I literally told myself, "All right, I'll give this 12, 18 months, and then we'll see where we're at." And <laughs> and uh, like at first, I was just like, "Man, I'm gonna go in there and do some of this stuff, and we're gonna see how that works." And then if it doesn't work out, eighteen months from now, I'll go find something new. But it's been a really interesting journey, especially as like we're starting to gain some steam and momentum over the last twelve months. Okay. So what? How? Uh, maybe if. If you can explain, I mean, you, I mean, you start a company, co-found a company, mm -hmm. and then you transition. The next transition is into, you know, you know, again, not to sound, I don't know the right word, but I mean, you basically go to like an employee of the company, of a different company, right? Yeah. Instead of instead of going and starting something else, yeah, like doing, you know, doing a, a new gig, a new new startup. I mean, was that, yeah. was that, I imagine that was on the table. I mean, you were considering stuff like that. And then, yeah, I mean, um, all the companies I was talking to at the time were all startups. Yeah. And so, I so had, it's like you go, you want to find a startup mm -hmm. that you can join, join that team. Yeah. And I don't mean to down, yeah. downplay like, you know, an employee, but it just, usually, I mean, someone that does do that, they kind of are looking for another thing they're going to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, there are two kind of things at play there when I was doing that. There were a few startups I was talking to, um, and you know, I, I was really fortunate to be a part of the early team at Divi that helped like really launch their first alpha product, and I led the I led their uh, product group there. Okay. And um, the thing is, like for me, that experience and seeing that group of people was kind of for me the gold standard for what I wanted to find another startup. Like there was, like. There was no doubt in my mind that Divi was going to become like a billion dollar company. There was no doubt. Like you just walked in and you saw the caliber of the people that were in there, yeah. the quality of the work that they were doing, the kind of problems they were they were solving, not just trying to solve, but like they were solving problem we were solving problems that to that that point nobody in the entire financial industry had figured out yet. Right? And so as I started looking at other startups after after uh, Travel Pass, I wanted to find that same energy and that same kind of thing. I just couldn't find anything that really got me that same kind of like juiced up feeling yeah. of like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is totally it. Um, and so that, that was at play. Is like, I didn't really feel like I didn't find a place that I didn't that really um, hit that note for me. And then the second one is that I like I always admired companies like Pluralsight. And I always admired those companies that were just going through that kind of like growth. 
and being like, man, I wonder what that's like, you know? Um, and at the startup phase, you may never ever experience that, right? Exactly. And so there was a part of me that was like, I really was passionate about the startup thing, but then there was, all, I was a part of me that was super curious what it would be like to jump into a company that has 100 employees and take them to 200 and take them to 300 employees and, and, to, scale, and to learn how to scale and build that yeah. skill set of understanding how to scale. And so that's ultimately, as I start, was going through that period of time, I saw that and when Jane uh, came along, I, I said, hey, look, here's the opportunity to, to try that new skill set and to do something I've never done and to see how I can do. See, like, the one, the one thing I kind of talk about with my team is like, you know, it's, I think one of the most important things you can do is put yourself in a difficult position where you've kind of put yourself behind the eight ball and then just see if you can hang, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever played sports, yeah. uh, professional sports, but, or, or, or competitive sports, but like, um, I remember growing up playing soccer, like, I, as I moved through, like, from, like, the rec to double A to triple A to club team, that kind of stuff, every time I'd move up, there's always, there's always this moment where you're like, man, I wonder if I could hang with these guys, right? Oh, yeah. And that's kind of how I thought about this with Jane, was like, I'm going to do this, and we're going to see if I can hang. Like, how early on did you join the team? Uh, at Jane? Yeah. Jane had been around for almost for seven and a half years, and they'd been they were already a very successful company. Yeah. But they were kind of, um, from a headcount perspective, from a scale perspective, they'd they'd kind of been in this like 115 to 140 employee like range for about a year and a half. And so, um, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. I was like, all right, let's go in there and see what see what we got, you know, and see if we can hang. And you know, once we got in there, once I got in there. It became very apparent that there were just there was just a lot of work to do um, at that company <clears throat> to really set it up to be ready for scale. That's cool. Yeah. When did you join? I joined in August of 2018. Okay. Yeah. 2018, and you and uh, you just still have the one office right here in, in Lehigh. Because uh, well, I guess well, the office I visited was just kind of well on that old frontage road. I don't mm -hmm. even whatever it is now, right? Well, I mm -hmm. guess it still is kind of that frontage road right there. Yeah. Kind we're in the Thanksgiving Point. We're in the same building as MX. Okay, so, that's right. That's right. And, and Just we, different floor. And we've got I, what I think is probably the most beautiful office in the entire state of Utah. It's pretty. Dude, it's, it's amazing. Did you get? I think we went in through. Did you get? Where was a? Was there a spot in there where you guys have uh, give haircuts? Yeah. Yes. We had a barbershop. What? Yes, yeah, dude. There's a barbershop. We had a barbershop. Are you guys hiring? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't. We don't. We had. Yeah. So. You know, cool. it's interesting is is you think about things like that, like barbershop. We have a gym where we'd have yoga. And, you know, with COVID and the office shutting down, all that stuff obviously went away. Um, but it was, like, the story of Jane is really quite interesting that, like, it was a story that was showering a lot of employees with a lot of these things. And, and yet, like, employee satisfaction was still super low, right? People, like, and there was a lot of different reasons for that. Um, That's so but, interesting. But the thing is, when we started focusing on the right things, even when we took, even when we cut out those things and tried to, and did what we can to adapt to the current <coughs> situation, like employees, employee morale was still going so up. Give so give us an example, because I'm super curious about this. We get, you know, I mean, you just mm -hmm. there's so many cool places, cool offices. Yes. Yeah. And then you build an office with cool thing like a barbershop mm -hmm. or you know the kitchen and you know yeah. big big cafeteria, whatever. Because in your mind you think, oh, this translates. To a culture, yeah, and people, people are going to love it, right? Yeah, it's, it's not always filled to dreams. Yeah, and you know, build it. They're going to come and they're going to love it. But it's interesting you say that because we've had multiple conversations here at our office about. I mean, really, what do people like? How do you know what really the the you know, not even majority, yeah. but what people value? I mean, what do they really like? If they're satisfied with the environment, or, I mean, mm -hmm. is it really people? Is it is it amenities? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a balance. But I'm that's so curious that you said that. Yeah, so... Um, do you guys do surveys? Yeah, we started doing surveys. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, like, it's kind of funny. We just Is it scary to do surveys with your employees? If We're not, not anymore. Okay. Um, yeah. So when we, when we did our first employee NPS survey, it was part of this, um, it's kind of a funny story. It was June 2019. Um, we did this, in the, the Utah business, best places to work. And we had a pretty good response rate. And so we're like, oh, great, this is awesome. And when the results came back, the person said, uh, your guys' EMPS was so low, you don't qualify. <laughs> oh. And that okay. was a huge wake up. Like, cause we had been doing a lot of things to really make some, cause they're, you know, 
backing up in 2018, like 2019 was a really weird year for Jane. Like we hit Jane was a, a company that was having steady growth, and then in 2019 it just plateaued, right? And now we're back to growth, but we had this really funky year in 2019 where all of a sudden, like the whole um, idea of Jane being this Camelot where it's always up and to the right, because it had been like that from the first month, kind of that that fantasy was kind of shattered, right? And so 20, June 2019, we get this report back from the Utah business, best places to work, and our EMPS score was in the 20s, which is insanely low. Okay. <laughs> and so, and so we, go, we went through the feedback and all this kind of stuff, because at this, and we were like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Because what we had, what we realized is that in 2018, that there were some real cultural problems at Jane. And we were in the middle of the process of how do we shift a, big, a culture at this company from that of being like a nice company that showers its employees with love to a, a performant culture, right? Because in, in my opinion, it's almost impossible to be a primarily or dominantly nice culture and also be performant. It's easier to be a performant culture filled with really nice, cool people, right? Okay. And so Jane was always a nice culture. It was a nice place to work. There were no consequences for non-performance. There was really no like you know recognition or, or incentive for high performers. It was just a nice place to work where you go get fat on the company pantry yeah. and like the Jane 15 is a real thing. Like any, <laughs> our our pantry was, was so stocked. That was a thing. That was a real thing. We called it the Jane 15. <laughs> and and um, you know the thing is, all of that is wrapping paper if people aren't engaged in their work, right? And so. We, we, you know, the beginning of 2019, end of 2018, beginning of 2019, we, we set out the strategy for how do we change this, the culture at Jane to be a performant culture. And so when you talk about, like, why you would have all these beautiful things and no, like, a really low employee satisfaction, um, it was because of a couple of things. One, like, there was really no incentive for people to do great work like you would if you were a great engineer and you watched your peers go into the game room which we had this we have this amazing game room remember, and, yeah, and, and go play that. for three or four hours while you're busting out amazing code and there's no and they're not delivering like the code they need to cut I mean how demotivating is that right yeah. in that first year we lost a lot of amazing developers and their number one reason why is because like hey I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who don't care who aren't really putting in work and not that aren't producing outcomes and like doesn't seem to matter Right, and so what we started working on was one building the foundation for for creating a culture of performance, and the first foundation was built just like a leadership team. Like so, Jane had not had a senior leadership team for the first eight years of its of its company. What do you mean by that? Yeah, like, like yeah, we had like, we had. You know, I mean, obviously, there's there's was it like just undefined or just like yeah. uh, this? So, we just assumed roles and yeah. So it was there had they there had never been really a, a direct attempt to build a level of VPs who are functional experts in the area that they were great at, right? Okay. So yeah. the first one that and like I wasn't even a functional area expert in the area where I where I was at, um, but I understood kind of where the gaps were in the, in the industry or in the in the business, and I said, okay, these are the things that we need to change. And so, you know, we brought on our first VP, which was um, her name is Megan Johnson. She's our head. She's our VP of marketing. She's phenomenal. She came to us. She was the general manager of. Um, KSL Classifieds, incredible okay. marketing genius, right? And so, but she, it was kind of her and me, and we were kind of on our own little island, and then we had the co-CEOs, and then we had the chairman of the board, and it was just this really, there was not really this real strong layer of, of leadership. Because like, how can, how can you, like, people feel like they have a leader that they can line behind, and line up behind, and perform for if they don't actually have like, a functional leader for their department, right? right? So the first layer for, for us was, um, or the first step was really creating that leadership layer within Jane, right? Um, and as soon as we started doing that, what we started to see is employee satisfaction go up because actually people had a voice. They had a place to go. They had avenues and pathways for their concerns and, th and um, you know, ideas or aspirations to go through. So that was the first reason, is yeah. that there was, like, leadership, <clears throat> like, Leadership structure matters, right? And making sure that um, having uh, the people in place from a leadership perspective that will hold accountability not just to themselves, but to the teams that they're producing the outcomes they need to produce, that matters. The second reason is that um, 
why I, you know, we, why uh, is that because Jane had been a nice culture for so long, um, we had what I call kind of like this general malaise within the employees, which is um, we had different pockets of toxicity in the, in the employee base. We also had pockets of people um, and employees that um, were there to just collect a paycheck, you know? And then we have, we had another, and then I, I, I would, I consistently say this to my team and to people at Jane. It's like, look, Jane's responsibility, our reason for existing is not to, to um, Jane isn't in business to create jobs at Jane. We're in business to create, to, to produce a product in a customer's hand. Like, that's the that's why we, that's why we exist. It's not to produce a job at Jane. That's not that's not what we do. We're, we're, like, and I and it's interesting as I talk to other business leaders, they think, yeah, that's that's it. Like, people start to stop to for, start to forget what we actually do. Right. We produce, um, you know, uh, trendy, fashionable clothes and home goods in people's at people's front door. That's what we do. And so, as we start to really align people to this idea that there's here's what we actually do. We're about performance, and now there's accountability. And by the way, there's a zero tolerance for toxicity in this business. Um, what we started to see is that the level of employees that we started getting in started going up, and yeah. all of a sudden, like performers started doing what they do best, which is perform. Like you know, did you like, see any people weed out? Like oh yeah, just kind of like man, how's that? How, how, yeah, how, yeah, that's crazy. What? Yeah. Uh, and when you say zero le- zero tolerance for toxicity, mm-hmm. I mean because that. That's an interesting term because it could mean so many different. I mean, has yeah. diff- there's so many different levels of this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, was that something that was defined, or was it just like you keep if you use that word enough, they they just they yeah. get it, they understand what that means. Yeah. I, like, um, you know, last February, um, we had just got on because we had that plateau year. We did a reduction of force last February, February 2020. And after that, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the app Blind, right? It's yeah. that app that no. that is the Should anonymous, <laughs> the anonymous, the anonymous app that employees use to like talk about the companies. It's kind of like a subreddit for Shit, companies. Cool, That's, oh, okay. and it's all anonymous. We started to have employees that were being bullied by their other employees on Blind. Anonymously, mm-hmm. okay, yes. We had we had. Uh, we had a specific employees that were being called out by name, being bullied by other employees. And you don't know who's calling them no, out, but they're, they're calling them no. out by name. And so we had to sit down as a company, and our new CEO, Talib Nur Muhammad, who's just phenomenal, sat down and said, look, there's a zero tolerance for this. If I find out who you are, like, you're gone. If this is how you really, truly feel, it's time for you to leave. And, you know, we just made it very, very clear that who we are as Janesters, as we call ourselves, are people who are kind, who are respectful, but who deliver outcomes and results. How many employees did you have at this time? Do you, do you recall? Well, like we a, went from 157 <clears throat> down to 123. And that was kind of in that was, that was, that that was, that was our playoff, yeah. yeah. And then now and was that, that before the COVID or was that due to that was, some? No, that was before COVID. Because COVID, I imagine, might have increased a lot. I mean, it probably well, went through the roof for you people at home. Anyway, we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep going COVID was it. a wild ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, but what happened is, like, what we saw is, like, kind of those people that we were concerned about started to weed themselves out. And part of it was that they could no longer kind of hide in the shadows. They knew that we knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And we made it very, very clear to them that, like, look, this, these are not the kind of people we are. And this is not the kind of, these are not the kind of things that we, that we tolerate. And soon enough, we had, like, you know, um, just what we've ended up with is like a really, really healthy workforce that I think COVID helped, by the way. I think that there was something to d- taking people away from each other physically mm-hmm. that reduced the amount of drama and issues that came to the, that were that were going on. Um, but also, if you look across our workforce, like there, there are very few people in this company that I look at that I'm like, yeah, this person's not a top performer. They are like, we're filled with our company we're not, we haven't grown as quickly as we probably could have from a headcount perspective. But that's because we go out there looking for absolute top performers. And whether or not in Utah or we have employees in Austin, we have a, an entire workforce up in Toronto. Um, and and uh, it's just been a, it's been a dramatic change. And you know, it's like when you work with a pro's pro, I don't know, like my back in my consulting days, 
working on the East Coast was a big wake-up call for me because like you look you work with people who are pros pros and they get they're about getting the mission done they're about producing the outcomes and the outputs we start injecting those kind of people into the company it starts really elevating everybody's performance and so we just did our last ENPS back in December and we scored an 89 which for yeah, for a company turnaround. yeah it's a huge turnaround and but also for industry is huge it's a it's a it's an awesome score um, and so it's been a t- it's been almost a two year process of culture change at Jane, and one that like my team, me, uh, you know, the leadership at Jane has you know repeatedly gotten kind of kicked in the teeth at times, particularly like on review sites and things like that. But we knew what we needed to accomplish, and we stuck to it. And now I think we're at a point right now where we have a company that's just like all the right people doing all the right things. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good story, man. I, uh, that's just so intriguing to me. I mean, we, I don't like talking about our company usually on these podcasts, but I mean, we, we don't, we grow in revenue, but we don't, that doesn't translate to the number of employees, mm-hmm. right? We grow very, very slow yeah. employees. Yeah. And it is, it is much easier when, you know, you're only adding a couple a year and you really can kind of hand pick these and yeah. know, like, okay, this yeah. is probably a good bet. And then every, Everybody else here has been here for years, slow turnover. But man, when you get into these type of situations where it's 100 plus yeah. and you're growing or whatever, oh. man, I those are those are the problems. It'd be fun to try to tackle, but it's not something any I think anybody was like, oh, I want yeah. I want to solve these. You just don't want the problems yeah. ever. But then when they happen, you got to figure it out. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, especially when you're talking about culture change, right? The majority of people don't yeah. want things to change. It's not no. changing like an alarm code here. I mean, yeah, we're talking, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just, dude, that's a, that's a, I mean, you, like you said, two years. Yeah, it's been about two years. And, and culture change is the most difficult because it's the one that you get the most resistance on, right? You can change policies. You can change, like, budgets. You can change all sorts of, like, organizational <laughs> structures. But the second you start looking at culture and pushing people towards the right direction, that's where yeah. you start getting the most pushback. And so we knew going into it that we were kind of going to have a, it was going to be a, a, a tough road to hoe for for a while. And it took about 18, <laughs> I'd say about 18 months before yeah. like we really hit. It was like last year around August where like I, I was talking to my Karen, who's my director of people ops and who's, by the way, the most phenomenal director of people ops ever. Um, and I was like, hey, like, have you had any like drama related employee, employee relations issues come your way the last little while? She's like, no. I'm like, me neither. <laughs> and we're like, holy crap. Good sign. <laughs> and we, were just, we just kind of sat there on Zoom staring at each other for like five seconds like, <laughs> doing something right. Some, so either something's really, really right or something's really, really wrong. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the thing is what we have is like a, a really great, I, a, a really great culture. We've got great leadership. And now I feel like we have employees who um, – are surrounded by the conditions and the things they need to like see themselves into the future that we're trying to create and just understand what their role is in that. Yeah. I keep moving. So are you, are you anticipating or expecting major growth? Cause you guys did just get yeah. funding, right? Yeah. Yeah. 40, we, 40 million, 40 million from trading partners down. So in let's, Austin. let's talk that first question. Then yeah. let's, we'll back up to that. Yeah. So we, we look at growth, um, a little bit different. Like I, I mean, we've been a bootstrapped company from the very beginning. Is this right? the first? Is this the first, this the first outside money you've taken? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. So nine years, we've done over almost nine years. We've done over a billion dollars in sales on the platform since the beginning, um, and this is the first money we've ever taken from the outside. Um, we still kind of have that bootstrappers mentality when it comes to growth, which is like people. We expect growth, a lot of growth this year in revenue, top line, and and and, and EBITDA, but um, growth for like on the headcount, I think we're still going to keep it pretty conservative yeah. because uh, um, you just have, you have the right individuals doing right. the right job. That's right, and and you know for example, we're willing to go hire somebody in New York who's going to cost twice as much as a Utah as somebody in the same role here in Utah because the, the price for a New York person or a San sure. Francisco yeah, person yeah, yeah. is much higher. We're willing to pay that because we know what they're able to produce, right? And so, um, again, it's for us, it's really about less about the number of bodies in, in the company and more about um, getting the right people in the, right, in the most critical roles. So right now, it's like just like everybody else, engineers, you know, hiring engineers. more engineers. Yeah, everybody but needs it, engineers, and so do we. Is it a difficult... 
undertaking to just be able to deploy that much money? Um, I mean, because obviously it's like, well, we can't, I mean, you, the whole idea is to, to, yeah. to spend that to make yourself, you know, to be a $100 billion yeah. company, right? Real revenue, right? Yeah. But, dude, that's a lot. I mean, it's that's like, when you're not going to add, when you're not going to add, like, hundreds of employees or no. offices and all these no. things, so, I mean, that just yeah, seems that, like a crazy... Yeah. What's that going into? A, <laughs> <laughs> Where's all that money going to? So, you know, to, to answer that question, um, one of the differences, and this was a bit of a big shift for me going from, like, I had always, I'd been in the B2B SaaS world to being in the consumer, the consumer yeah, world. Yeah. Um, paid acquisition is a game. Like use, uh, using those dollars to, uh, to acquire new customers and to keep bringing your, and to keep your existing users engaged um, takes a lot of money. Yeah. And so a lot of that, a lot of those resources will go into fueling growth this year. One of the things about Jane is that our brand is very, um, we are not geographically diverse <laughs> place. Like if you think about where our customers prim primarily reside, it's like kind of Utah, Arizona, but really the South, Texas, Tennessee, Kentucky, all along the South. Diversified across the country. Yeah. yeah. And, and Gene as a brand has been very, you know, for lack of a better term, monochromatic, right? <clears throat> like if you go onto the, if you went onto the way Gene website, it, all the models looked the same. They're all, they were all, they all looked like, you know, that women that were 25 to 40, blonde, Christian from the <laughs> South. Right. And that's just, but that was, that was all actually kind of by design because that's like who are our founders, that's who they know, knew. And that's like the aesthetic that they understood. And you right? knew the target audience, yeah. you know, responded to that. Yeah. But so I, like, I, I just say that kind of, not necessarily like flippantly, but if you think about the audience that really loves Jane, they also love things like Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? That kind of crowd. Right. Okay. So, but what you don't see is our customers in urban areas and more metropolitan areas. So like the New Yorks of the world, the Chicago's, LA's, uh, Atlanta's, um, you know, the, the Philadelphia's, that we're not strong there. Um, and we're growing there. We've just launched our first ever brand campaign the company's ever had, which is a national brand campaign that's taking the brand more broad. And big brand expansion costs a lot that's of money. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> costs Marketing, a lot marketing of money. brand expansion. Yeah, <laughs> so, that so costs. when you talk about where that money is going, a lot of it is around building brand and fueling growth. And then we are, you know, hiring and growing in, in the headcount side of things. But we take a very, um, we take a very, like from a first principle standpoint, we always think about systems and processes to scale rather than people first. So like whenever we have an, a, a need or a problem or a gap in, in the workforce, we first look at tools and systems and processes and go through a whole yeah. process of figuring that out before we say, all right, well, we actually need somebody to come in and do that. So, yeah, yeah so headcount will still grow. I mean, we went, last year we went from, again, 120, uh, 123 to, oh, we're at 179, 180 now. Um, so we added almost 60 people in the last eight, nine months. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing is of those people, the like over the majority of them are actually not in Utah. They're all, re they're remote workers. So we're spread all, we're now starting to become spread all over the U S and up in Canada. Exciting times. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. I think that's kind of been one of the trends is since everybody's been working from home is people are not just only looking for talent in only Utah now. Yeah. Right. If you're a Utah based company, you're not only yeah. looking for Utah. They've been able to mm -hmm. say, yeah, well, you can you, work from home. Perfect. You're mm -hmm. so qualified. We want you. I remember the early days of the pandemic. There was a, there was a headline from The Onion that, was, um, that said millions of companies who said that remote work is impossible are suddenly about to find out remote work is, is possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and we were no exception. We were very much like a butts and seats yeah. you know, type of place before. But now... I mean, our employees and our leaders have proven that they can produce amazing results regardless of where they're from. So, you know, we, we are, like our head of, our head of merchandising is over in the UK or our head of commercial ops who oversees merchandising and seller, seller acquisition and seller support or in seller, it's more the sales function of the business. He's over in the UK and, you know, we have some other people that are going to be joining that are, you know, all over the world. So yeah. do you have to pay for them to get haircuts? <laughs> individually <laughs> no no the, the, the haircut thing uh, so part so in office haircuts this is actually a really interesting discussion though because make like, sure it's like hey everybody that works there they're like crap dude just because I don't yeah. not in the office I don't yeah. give free yeah. haircuts well that's bull crap yeah, yeah. So, you, know but, that, you know that comes up 
Yeah. Things like that. Like, hey, yeah. You're going to create resentment. Yeah. I don't get the Jane Pantry. I want 15 pounds. Yeah. I don't, get, I don't get an extra 15 pounds. I'm not even going in the office. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually an interesting point because, like, when we hit our, our plateau in 2019, like, like, backing up a little bit, when I showed up at Jane in, in 2018, they were spending anywhere between fifteen and $25,000 a month in food on the pantry really? or on meals. I recall for too, hundred, they, they for had like a company that would deliver Costco. Yeah, was it like a, a Costco oh, yeah. delivery service? And well, those, this was before it was every. Pandemic. It was almost every, it was weekly and sometimes twice a week. Right, yeah. they were eating so much food, for, and it was it, it was fine. But like when we hit that plateau in 2019, we started cutting back all those extra expenses, and <clears throat> you know you got a little grumbling, but for the most part, um, for the most part. Like the people that were just were there to do the right things were just like okay whatever, you know. And it's interesting that if you think about if I think back about the people who were the most vocal in terms of when we had to cut budget and reduce costs and all that kind of stuff, the most vocal about their displeasure of it, they're none of them are the business anymore. And so, and so you know again when you talk about like the culture of a business, you can shower them with food and you can shower them with gut, you know gifts and love and that kind of stuff. But if there isn't like a baseline of performance that like for me, not like it just doesn't work. Like you're just not gonna have a really truly performing culture and team. And then all it doesn't matter, like you can shower them with all that stuff and they're still not gonna be super satisfied with work. <laughs> so yeah. 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 It all starts with leadership management and then having the 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 the, the expectations of performance. And you know, now like we do have we still shower our employees with really great love and lots of stuff. It's just like now we just have like, you know, really, really great people. Now, now. Yeah. I legit, if I was like, had a toss up between a couple jobs and one of them had a barbershop down in like the office. <laughs> it, it was such would. a good recruiting point, especially oh, for yeah. engineers. Because like engineers, we take them on the tour of the office and they're like, we have a barbershop here? Like, yeah, you can get your hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and it was a huge. Sign one. me up. Um, but yeah, you know, with the pandemic, that all went away just just like that. Yeah. So. Freaking pandemic. Shoot. Shoot. What's been uh, the most surprising thing for you, coming from like, right, co-founding companies and getting into the HR space, the people ops space? What's been the most surprising thing? Something that's mm -hmm. like open your eyes. You're like, holy cow! I either I think this is ridiculous or yeah, yeah, it doesn't I mean, have to be a surprise. Good. Be good. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Yeah. Well. A, su a surprise, um, a surprise good, a surprise good, a surprise bad. Okay, surprise bad. Not bad, bad, but I was not prepared. Like, when you're in a product role, like, you have a very small set of people who are, who have a strong opinion about how you do your job and how you produce things in the organization. When you're in people ops, every person in the company has an opinion about your job. And I was not prepared for that. I didn't understand that, right? So I was used to a world where, like, I could ship products I could I could watch the user metrics come through and see all right we did the right things we didn't do the right things like you can see through the user engagement metrics yeah um and, you know at in people ops and it's really those are the people that really matter like people can have opinions but the data doesn't lie like that's that's what it is um, in people ops um, everybody in the business has an opinion about your job and they're they're and I wasn't I I hadn't thought about that. And I wasn't at first. I wasn't prepared for it, but then you kind of develop that thick skin of like, oh, okay, like everybody has their own specific experience they bring to it and the expectations they bring to it, and that's just different than what we might be doing or what my experience and expectations are. So that was one that was not necessarily bad, but it was an eye opener for me. That just like stepping into that role where, like, literally our work impacts 179 people, you yeah. know, yeah. rather than just a, a subset of users and their families and their families, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Um, that was, that was the, that was kind of the more eye-opening thing. Um, the biggest surprise from a good perspective is just like how satisfying it is to see a company go through that transaction and be on the other side and just be like, this is it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I have not, I have never felt this level of satisfaction, like after like getting through a product ship or a project ship. Then when you start, like when we got our EMPS score in December, like in December, I was just like, oh, this is what we've been trying to do for two years and we're getting there. We're there. And that level of satisfaction is so high, right? And then the second part is 
the other the other one the surprise that's that's good is how good it feels to see your team um, when you're crushing it and we're doing really really well and doing all the right things just to see how much they become like a be like a valued part of the people at at, at, at the company so um, I think HR and people ops gets kind of like um, if it my, my experience has kind of been unique. I don't know what it's like in, in the rest of the world, and I actually don't really do a whole lot of like HR stuff um, because I'm mostly just focused on what it is that we're trying to accomplish and just saying, all right, what's the best way that we can use kind of what I know from product product perspective. But it is so satisfying when you see your team like become truly, truly valued and just like proactively brought into things by people throughout the organization. Right, that typically doesn't happen, from what I understand, in most HR groups, unless they absolutely have to be like, "Yeah, let's bring in so and so from HR." Right? Yeah. Like at this at this point, like they look to us as like, "All right, we're going to do this. What have you guys got?" Like they've started to view us more as like trusted advisors in the organization. And so, watching my team and the team members on my on my team go through that transition of being like, kind of, your, some of them have been there for a while. Um, going from like kind of that more tactical um, support role to more of a trusted advisor role has been super satisfying, really, really satisfying. Because then at that point, you know what you're doing is empowering really, really strong people to go into the organization and be like leaders to other leaders. Yeah. And that's been super satisfying. Um, I would say the another good, um, another good uh, surprise for me was um, just the ability to I, and I never thought that I wouldn't, but um, having impact on an organization, everybody says they want to have impact in the organization, and I don't know if at another company in the same role I would have had the same level of impact I've been able to have. But I think, like at the time and the place that I jumped into Jane, I was the right person to push it through some kind of gnarly transitions. Yeah, right. And so that has allowed me to like that personally that um, that amount of impact that I I feel like I like I've been able to have it the company has been really like from a career standpoint it's been one of the top like most satisfying things that I've experienced because it's just been it's been great that's mm -hmm. awesome okay tell me I mean just you got to get real here mm -hmm. give me the honest answer what <laughs> which by the way if you talk to anybody that I work with or even some of my friends you yeah that's that's me good. okay good what is just the absolute worst part like did you have to jump in on like payroll or benefits and or is there anything you're just like dude i i hate this i don't want to do this um because you were you weren't dealing in that no before I so had, I was no i like, wasn't and i and i don't still okay. i had a, i had a great team in place i was dealing with all of that okay um and so i didn't really have to um the absolute worst part is how slow things take um because when you're you yeah. know when you're a product or you're in engineering or you're marketing you can do something and almost immediately see the output and see track to see the progress you're making. If you're in marketing, you run an ads campaign. You can launch that campaign. You can watch the numbers roll in and say, all right, am I getting the right ROAS on this campaign? Did it work or did it not? Like in other disciplines, feedback can take weeks and people opposite feedback can take months or years. Yeah. And that is the absolute worst part of it. Like a total because culture for, change, man. Because for like, years. trust me, like after, I remember at a certain point in, in 2019, after our really, really low EMPS score, I read some reviews on Glassdoor, which was like the worst thing I could have done at that time. And just thinking like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> like, everybody hates me. <laughs> and, and, it, it, and, and like, I just remember having a, a conversation with the CEO, Ryan, at the time, Ryan Burton. And I'm like, dude, I thought I had a thick skin, but I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and he was just like, dude, you've got a plan. You're going through it. You knew it was going to suck. Just stick to it. Yeah. Right? And I was like, all right, man. And so that, so not being able to see things turn, like it's like, you know, it's kind of like seeing it turn degree by degree rather than just like a quick U-turn. Like watching paint dry. Yeah. And so sometimes you put, you put stuff into the organization and you have no clue how to really truly measure the impact that it's having. You hope that you're doing the right things. Well, you have a position or a theory that you're doing the right things, and then you put it out into the organization. If you can figure out a way to measure it, we, we measure it. But most things that we do from a program standpoint, you can't really measure. And so that 
like lack of like transparency into the outcomes that you're producing and just this the time that it can take right like two years for a culture change is about right but man that's a long it feels, two years yeah that's a, it feels like four yeah, <laughs> you know i bet so that to me is the like the probably the 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 worst the the most difficult part of this of this field is just you don't always have that direct feedback loop that tells you whether or not you're doing is whatever you, it is that you're doing is the right thing. Yeah. Interesting. So who's, tell me who your new CEO is. You mentioned his name. Yeah. His name's Talib Nur Muhammad. Where did he come from? Um, so he was prior to this, he was the chief growth officer of a company called Farfetch, which is one of the largest um, luxury marketplaces in the world. Far? Farfetch. Farfetch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Architected a uh, huge portion of their international growth and their, and their, uh, their growth there. Um, he was one of the guys that helped run the, uh, the Vancouver Olympics. This guy's just an incredible dude and, um, knows, you know, on top of being like, um, um, just knows more about marketplaces than like I'll ever know. Um, he's also like one of the nicest, most eloquent dudes you've ever seen. And like, he's just genuinely cares about people is a person who is easy to follow and work with um, doesn't tolerate non-performance from anybody including senior leaders um, but also is just like one of the one of the uh, he's an absolute joy to work with he's yeah. a great dude and he's also a guy that's really well known in the investment community because he was one of the early guys at HomeAway that sold to Expedia for X amount of billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's, a, he's a known entity in the investment community. He's an, he's a known entity in, he's, he's known, he's well known in the, um, in the kind of the e-commerce marketplace world. Um, and for what we needed at Jane, he was the right guy at the right time and he's been crushing it. When did he come on? He started, uh, December of 2019, 2019. Okay. So he hopped into a company that was plateauing, but he saw a vision for what he knew we could accomplish if we had the right kind of like best in class practices and the right kind of philosophy around marketplaces. And he said, I, I, can, I can do this. And so um, he hopped in. It's been a game changer for the business. That's good. Yeah, he's been, it's, been, it's been an incredible ride. Really good. Yeah, usually we're not up against a time. But, but you're up against a time. I am up against a time. Okay. You, we we just don't like limited to an hour, mm -hmm. but, uh, but around one ish. I don't <laughs> even know how far away we are. We're at one. We are. Yeah. Just saying. So I hate saying that. Just to make sure we're not going way over. No, one. you're good. Yeah. 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 So you you guide me. I I clear no, my I calendar. I know. Okay. I, it's a little. That's not how we roll here. Like we usually. I mean, it's gonna usually about an hour. Or so mm -hmm. we talk about. I think we gotta. Yeah. Um, well, we do we do have a few things here. Yeah, that are not work related, or Love life it. or life related. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a um, rapid fire thing. Is that what it is? Yeah, 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 it's man. good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you, by the way, for oh yeah, man. your insight and stuff. That's awesome. It's been great. Um, okay, so I, I have three songs. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna read the lyrics. You just gotta tell me who it is. Okay. Are you a, you're a big music guy? Do you have a genre that you... 90s rap. 90s rap. Dang it. Oh. <laughs> I have no 90s rap on here. <laughs> then we might not be. So this one, I think this is one and, that's... And from my high school and college days, Dave Matthews Band. So Dave it's like Matthews. this weird... Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. So this first one, it's either going to be a softball or it's going to be like, I have no idea what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> I don't think there's any middle ground on this one, okay? I'm game. Let's do it. Okay. Pardon me. Are you Aaron Burr, sir? Oh, Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> Hold on, what? Hamilton. Hamilton what? Oh, the play. The play, the play. yeah. Oh, yeah. hell. Okay. This is the first. This is we, the first. My, kids, my kids can sing that whole album from the beginning <laughs> to the end. Okay. Like, we listen to that so much. Yeah. It's, Dude, yeah. That, that's, that is the fastest. Anybody has ever got yeah. it? The, the correct guess we've yeah. ever had. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was either going to be. This just booms. Got it? it? Or I, I don't <laughs> okay. know. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Hamilton's playing in our house usually at least once a day. Okay. That's great. I love it. Okay. Next one. Not 90s rap. All my life, I've been searching for something. Something never comes, never leads to nothing. Nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close. 
closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, I dream of the day when it comes around and it's taken away. Clue. Oh my gosh, dude! Is, can I get a genre? It, it starts like rock. All my life, I've been such. A yep. I don't know, how, but I can't remember I'm, how the tune goes. I am, I am, I am. Uh, such a nope. Yep. Nope. Life, I'm, I'm nothing. Foo Fighters. Oh yeah, that's a fa- yeah, so real fast I'm, song. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm one of those like pretend Foo Fighter fans, right? I'm the guy, I'm more of a well, Dave that, Grohl fan than I am a Foo Fighters fan. Like, I love the dude, right? Yeah, like, I think as a dude, the, like he's one of those people that's, gr- I love that he's in the world, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I really think that this 90% of Foo Fighter fans are exactly what you said. They love Dave Grohl, but I think they're just not that good. I've seen, and it was sucks, I've seen him twice in concert. And every time, you know, both times I think, they're really not that good. <laughs> all right, like I again, I'm a, I'm kind of one of those like pretend Foo Fighters. I like all their so. good songs. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Where I come from isn't all that great. My automobile is a big piece of crap. My fashion sense is a little whack. <clears throat> you got it. You got it. It's on the tip of my tongue. And my friends are just as screwy as me. I didn't go pilots. to boarding no. school. Preppy girls never looked at me. Why should Teenage they? Her back. No, but oh. you're getting, yes, you're getting oh. kind of in that genre. It's, or it's like a Weezer song. Ding. Weezer. Um, dude, that's good. I ain't got nobody, nothing in my pocket. What's the, okay. Uh-oh. Beverly Hills. Oh, uh, Beverly Hills, yeah. Weezer. To be. There you go. Dude, I, I was like, you know, the lyrics were just like, it. these oh, are like, good, man. this is like, Dirtbag, teenage bird. Yeah, bag you're. Yeah, it's kind of like that same. Yeah. We're kind of, we're kind of saying right off the bat that you don't know much besides '90s <laughs> rap, dude. That was, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got, I've got uh, a really great knowledge of a lot of, a really narrow, no, like shallow knowledge of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, more of a mile white, mile white inch deep guy when it comes to that stuff. Okay. All right. So we end everyone with some would you rather questions. Okay. Only rule is you got to answer. What's up? So the only rule is you got to answer. Okay. We have one that we ask. Oh, yes. Every um, time. Okay, so Tiger Woods and Barry Bonds. Would you rather have Barry Bonds take his bat and swing as hard as he can right to the middle of your back? Right, home run swing. Like mm-hmm. he's putting it over right field into the bay. Okay. Or Tiger Woods takes his driver out and swings as hard as he can right at your shin. <laughs> So both of them are massive, massive skeletal damage. Oh, yeah. No, you're, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, um, you yeah. know, like... There's no good answer. I'll go by that old quote that, like, a back injury will change your personality. So I'll take the shin. Yeah, I'll take yeah. Tiger Woods in the yeah. shin. Because okay. yeah. yeah. I've had a back injury, and it changes your personality. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you could possibly be paralyzed. Yeah. That's, that's true. I'll yeah. take the shin. Absolutely. Okay. Would you rather be a genius and know everything or be amazing at any activity that you tried? Um, I've, already come to, mm. I've already come to terms with the fact that I'm just not like a specialist in many things, but I'm more of a generalist, so I'll take that. Like the, I'd just really be really good at th- everything. Be I good tried. at everything yeah. you tried. Like everybody, I think everybody knew that kid in high school that it, like they didn't know. Re- they, like there was this kid that I went to high school with. His name was Jeff. And Jeff was, he's on top of being like a really, really nice, good dude, literally everything he did, he was great at. And I kind of looked at that, I was like, dang. Like, <laughs> I envy those dudes. I, and like, he, he was just super athletic and he'd never played soccer in his life. And he went out and played, tried for soccer and ended up on the varsity team. And it's like, he just, everything he did, he, everything he did, he was great <laughs> he was, at. And so he's good. Like, uh, <laughs> well, the thing is, you want to feel like that, but he was, he was actually a super nice guy. Yeah, so like, he was yeah. a really nice, good dude and like super great student and just, um, so yeah, I'd rather be like good at everything I try. Okay, I like it. All right, would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader for the rest of your life? Mm. <laughs> this is a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, I already have enough times, like you've noticed that I communicate <sighs> really quickly <sighs> and sometimes jump around in my sentences and my string of thought. My people around me already have a hard enough time for that. I'll take the breathing. To take the breathing. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll take the breathing. All right. Okay. Well, ask, let me ask you. 
is the breathing like I just make the sound, or I actually have the same breathing impediments? That's I would uh, I would the same sound. So it's just okay. like if it's just sound, yeah. Breathing so if all it's just long. sound, yeah, you sound then like I'm going to pick. You talk like you, sound. yeah. But yeah. you're just you're having to get that. Yeah, I, yeah. I can still go for a hike and like yeah, not get. Wounded. But people will yeah. go by you. And be I'll like, take the breathing you're not Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you rather be without elbows or without knees? Elbows. Yeah. Dude. Quick. Boom. Yes, because then you can run, but you're not. No yeah. elbows, dude. <laughs> yeah. How would you? You gotta like have long utensils. Yeah. yeah. And I love leg That's day. That's a little weird. <laughs> I, and I love leg day, and that would suck. There we go. <laughs> like, How are you supposed to hold the bar, though, dude? You're gonna. You can still. Elbows. You can still deadlift with those. Without. That's you true. could do the. the what's the What's the name of the? Can't really hold the bar. Yeah. What's the name of the rack? The squat, not the squat rack, but machine. Um, leg press. Where you get on your leg back, press. Just leg press. Okay. Yeah. Leg press. Um, would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? Ooh. Um, I, this is actually, this is like, I think a dip, deeper question. And it's just like one of those things. <laughs> I have a, I have a good friend, a good group of friends that we have this big chat group together and, you know, being in COVID times, like with the COVID, like a lot of us have had to deal with death this year in a way that we've never had to mm-hmm. ever. Right. Um, and so this, this great group of friends of mine, like we have this conversation a lot and I, I would rather know, um, I don't know, I want to know when I'm going to die. I want to know how. I want to know how. Oh, man, that's. I, want, I don't want to know when, because like if I know when it's just in like, there's this clock down, countdown Take clock that's yeah. always sitting You're going to live differently. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I would Do rather. Do stuff differently, not be yourself. Yeah. Knowing that, like, oh, now I've only got, you know, 22, 22 years and three months and whatever. What if, yeah. what if I'd rather just know, like, hey, you're going to die at an old age of a heart attack. Or you're what if it was like, you're going you're to die in a car accident? You're going to drown? I would never even go close to water. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, could that be I, tomorrow? I, or is that going to be in 50? You know what I mean? For me, I'd want to like know. Mess with me more. Yeah, for me, I'd want to know how. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I'm not here to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would you rather become a cannibal for the rest of your life or starve to death? What? Yeah, you got to live your life or you're just... You either die of starvation or you just eat humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just seems like... A, that a, seems a, like an easy, easy one. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Brent. <laughs> I'd eat humans. Yeah, I'd forget. Wait, yeah. let me ask you. Dude, am I going to just... Do I have to do the procurement of said human meat or is it just like there? Like, yeah, could I order human at the store, like a human sandwich or something? Or a, well, it's no. Like, I have to kill It's a, only you, right? You can't go to the store and be like, yeah, hey, I need human. <laughs> you're the only one that is a so, cannibal. So, so what you're really well, asking is... Then I have to murder? I have to, are, like... Are you, you, are are you willing to, to go kill a bunch of people to eat? That's the question, right? Yeah. Are you going to become a cannibal? I, I'm just going to do a deal. I'm going to do a deal with, the, the like, the morgue. Maybe. <laughs> like, we're going to deal. Okay. I don't want to kill somebody. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather accidentally send a dirty text to your boss or a sexy voicemail to your mom? Uh, 100% accidentally send a dirty text to my boss. (laughs) Because he would tease me relentlessly forever and ever about it. It would be be funny. It would be cool. But my mom might die. (laughs) Okay. This one's a little morbid. Sorry. Would you rather be the person who flips the switch during the execution or be the judge who decides who should get executed? Ooh. Um, man, I didn't get, I think I was going to be getting into some like <laughs> philosophical quandaries here. Yeah. There's a couple. Yeah, there's yeah. A philosophical quandaries. Sometimes the questions while. are more like, do you want like the legs of a duck or the, the beak of a duck. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's you want to find. We go. Just, I don't know. It's like Somehow, you want to fight. Yeah, these are, we're giving you some good ones. Yeah, fight. What is it? The classic internet one is like fight one horse-sized duck. Yes. Or a, a hundred duck-sized horses. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So um, I'd rather be the judge. The judge. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I think I'd be the judge too. Uh, would you rather have a pet skunk that sprayed you once a month or a pet porcupine that quilled you once a month? Um. Oh. 100% porcupine. Have you ever been sprayed? No way. Yeah, I have a super have high tolerance sprayed? for pain. Yeah, but then it'd be like, all you gotta do is take a bath of vinegar or whatever, mm. and then, but the por- you could have like residual. No, I've I've been sprayed sprayed by a skunk, and like no it was, way. I could smell it for like two weeks. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll, I'll take the porcupine because that's okay. short. That's like how many there. quills are we talking about? One quill? I don't know. Or like a how like many a, will a, a porcupine? <laughs> so, you know, like a bunch. I'll, I would I still take the porcupine. <laughs> what does no he say what. to three amigos? He's like, I don't think that word means what you think it means <laughs> when he's talking about a plethora of guns. Um, do you know what part I'm no, talking about? Yeah, I do, but that's not the part. That's from Is a that different movie. That's from Princess oh, Bride. I, yeah. he says that, I don't think that word means what you think it says. <laughs> I swear that's he says something like that in yeah. Three Amigos, doesn't he, or does he not? No, he Maybe I'm. It. But that is Princess Bride with Three Amigos together. Okay, that'd be a great movie. A, yeah, Still two great movies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he does ask him if we have a plethora of piñatas. Yes, piñatas. Okay, would you rather still be bathed by your mom or your grandmother? Oh, my mom. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like no well, yeah, my, my, yeah. my grandmother, my grandma was one of those women who was just like so prim and proper and just like, even when she was like 94 years old would dye her hair every Wednesday and that, that kind grandma. of stuff that I, I can't imagine they were putting her through that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you rather uh, only to be able to have one child or you have to have 10? You have um, like one or ten? Yeah. Oh, this sucks because I've got I, three. I have four. Like we already have kids. I think if yeah. you didn't have kids, this would be an easy answer. Yeah, totally. If I didn't have kids, it would be one. But but you can't go from well, you're getting rid of your kids. We're yeah. not saying necessarily we're getting yeah. rid of our kids. We're just saying if we, you went back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and, not. And plus, your kids like, are disappearing. I, I have three, and like it's just been crazy, and it's insane, and it's stressful. No way in hell you're doing ten, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, who's <laughs> doing ten kids? Uh, no one. No offense to those that have ten. Yeah. Well, had ten I, I grew up in a neighborhood that had ten kids, and like all their kids ended up going to like Harvard and Princeton. It's like they produced ten amazing, like highly accomplished Dang. people. I'm like, how that's, do you that's do a, that? That's incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. No, it wouldn't happen in no. my house. No, no. Not in my house. Uh, would you rather have to get a massage with peanut butter or maple syrup? Um, Both. I, <laughs> I feel Dude, like I'm taking I feel like the oils in the peanut butter are going to do something decent for my skin, so I'll go with peanut you butter. Go for, okay. <laughs> I like the way you think. Yeah. Okay. This one's kind of similar to what I did, but let's see if it, if it changes. Would you rather accidentally send a, send a nude to your coworkers or to your family? Family. Yeah, okay. nude's well, a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just, like, I figured it'd be the same, but yeah, like accidentally, like your coworkers are like, "Hey, Scott." I'd be like, "Okay, guys, <laughs> I, I career officially resign effective <laughs> yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Peace out. It's been fun. And it's okay if it's a family. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. What's Christmas gonna be like? Hey, you weird. might be the card that everybody sends. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, that was my last one. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. So much. Yeah, of course, great. this is fun. And cut. Okay.